right. Great show, Harch. Go get my aviators real quick, GK. <laughs> oh, my God. Incredible. Hanging with Harch every weekday from 11 to noon right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And then, of course, Trey and BK. The award-winning Trey and BK comes your way every weekday from 12 to 1. What do you say? I might lay by the bay. I just may. As Trey brings out the sunglasses. I mean, I know I'm pale, but I'm not that pale, dude. I can't be hurting your eyes that much, can I? I just don't understand how I have how I have sunburn on part of my face right now. This is the bizarrest thing. How bright are your lights? Because sometimes if I spend too much time under my living room light, I get burned from that. It ain't that. Mm. You got to see if the ring, changing the ring light works at all. No, don't. Don't point it down there, please. Oh, boy. You got to start eating sunscreen. That's what I do. This is like an an off-color lighting. I don't know. I'm about to throw these shades on the rest of the time. Mm. All right, Corey Hart. I guess it's not night, so I can't call you that. But the sunglasses indoors bit looking like Shador Sanders out here, man. If only I had his NIL deals. Yeah, no kidding. I would trade bank accounts with that guy in a heartbeat. You know, when I, when I do this, it's just an Apple Watch that I got for free. When he does it, it's some Roly that cost him five figures, although he probably got that for free, too, let's be honest. Well, if nothing else, Dad paid for it. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Well, Trey's got the shades on, even though he's inside, even though it's overcast outside. And I can't figure out why he's sunburned, but he is sunburned and I'm here as well. And we're here until one o'clock this afternoon. The only thing I can think of that did this is I was, I got a massage from nine to 11 today. And so maybe it's that maybe it's being face down on the, uh, on the massage cushion might've done that to me. Okay. Deshaun. No, no, there was no extracurricular. There was why, the only why is your face so ending. red? People's faces get red when they lie. Why is your face so red? The only happy ending today was me feeling better about my broken body. Mm, broken body, huh? That's what Deshaun said. Hey, pull up your Instagram DMs. I said broken body. Pull up those Instagram DMs, huh? And why is your laundry full of tiny towels? What's going on here? Because I like to dry off with a bunch of towels. Mm, bunch of tiny towels, huh? Interesting. Interesting, Deshaun. All right. That'll be your Halloween costume for this week. Although you won't have to dress up because that's just who you are, apparently. That's right. I was going to go as Ken from Ken and Barbie fame, but now I'm just going to go as white Deshaun Watson. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's talk some sports, I guess. The World Series is set, and if you had this one, forget at the start of the season, at the start of the playoffs, if you had Rangers and D-bags, well, you're lying. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. I mean, the Rangers, the five seed in the American League, they had the second longest odds of any AL team to win the World Series, and the D-bags were plus 5,000. That's right, 50 to 1 at the start of the playoffs to win the World Series And here they are, four wins away from their second title in franchise history. Of course, the Rangers trying to win their first. You've got the five seed in the AL. You've got the six seed in the NL. 
You've got two teams that lost 100-plus just two seasons ago. This is about as unlikely of a World Series as you could possibly get. But here we are, Trey, and one of these teams will be able to call themselves world champs within the next week, week and a half. I guess in terms of the potential matchups for this year's World Series with the four championship series team, this this has to be the one that Fox wanted the least, right? Yeah, I mean, they Astros wanted Philadelphia. Storyline of back-to-back. Astros-Phillies would be a fun rematch. Phillies Rangers, I think, has some luster to it because of the uh, the sluggers on both sides. And even though the uh, Rangers still bring the slugger part of that equation to the table, the fact that Arizona is who they are, they're a lesser-known team, and they play what may be considered a boring brand of baseball, but it's also been a winning brand of baseball too, obviously. Uh, I think there are going to be a lot of average fans who don't tune in for this one. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I don't fucking care because you and I will be. We will be tuned in. And yeah, you think of uh, the possibilities in the National League before these playoffs started, right? With Atlanta, with the Dodgers, with the Phillies. I mean, baseball would have loved for any of those three teams to be there. And those were the three favorites in the NL going into the postseason, right? The Braves were the best team in baseball all year. They've got fans everywhere because they used to be on TBS. They used to be the only team people could watch. Uh, The Dodgers, the L.A. market, they also have fans everywhere. And then the Phillies, yeah, another big market team. That's got a rabid fan base that always brings eyeballs. Any one of those teams would have been preferred over the Arizona Diamondbacks, but that's what you get. And then for the AL, yeah, I mean, look, the Yankees, the Red Sox, those are the teams that baseball always wants. Neither of them even made the playoffs this year. And maybe the Astros would have been preferred, right, for the back-to-back, for the chance to really cement their dynasty with another world championship. That would have been great, too. Uh, the Rangers aren't a horrible alternative. I mean, the DFW market is a big one, but obviously we're not talking about a team that's known as a big market team in baseball. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know what the TV numbers are going to be. Obviously, folks in Texas will be tuned in, some rooting for the Rangers, some rooting against the Rangers. Uh, and folks in Arizona will be tuned in. But like you said, the casuals out there, I don't know, man. I don't know how many random eyeballs you're going to get, especially considering the fact that football season's in full swing and the NBA is back and the NHL is here. I just uh, I, I can't imagine these TV numbers are going to be like what uh, they've been in, in years past for the World Series. They won't be record-shattering, but considering how much baseball gained in popularity this year, BK, in terms of the attendance, the overall attendance across the board, but also the TV numbers too, because these games were taking significantly less time. This is going to be a good test for that. Now, you do also have to take into account, I realize that these games are probably going quicker than postseason games last year. These games in the postseason have returned to what we've become accustomed to with baseball games, and that is something that goes into that three to three-and-a-half-hour range per game. These games are not flying by like what we saw in the regular season. No, not quite as fast, but uh, that's okay. I mean, they're still shorter than what they used to be, and I've got no problem with playoff games having a little bit more built-in suspense than regular season games. I mean, there were a lot of baseball pundits out there who were like, oh, get rid of the pitch clock altogether in the playoffs, and let's go back to some of the old baseball rules for these games. And uh, they didn't do that. They made some changes, right? There's five more seconds on the clock for this stuff, but – um yeah I, I i'm okay with these games taking a little bit longer than the regular season games like postseason baseball is awesome and if you want to build up the suspense and the dramatics for some of these big moments then i'm fine with it 
think you could do that with a minute less commercials each commercial break, especially with how many commercials are forced down our throats when the game action is still happening. You're wasting your breath, my man. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Like everybody wants less TV commercials or commercials in general, which is why you should listen to Texas Sports Unfiltered because we don't have long breaks. Right. But that that ain't happening. Like, believe me, I'm with you. If you could shorten the game with less commercials and more game, then yes, of course, sign me up for that. But you and I know damn well that that ain't happening anytime soon. If anything, that problem's going to continue to get worse, right? No, they'll eventually stretch it back out to where in the regular season, the games will be three hours again, probably within the next five years. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it sucks. You got how, how should you have known that it was going to be aviator scooter? How should you have known? What am I just an aviator guy? Because I don't take that as a, uh, a criticism. I take that as a compliment. Yeah, what does that mean? What is an aviator guy? Is there a certain stereotype for people who wear aviators? I legitimately do not know. Yeah, people who look good in sunglasses. Yeah. <sighs> Probably I people who look good in sunglasses. You can't deny that. Probably people who look bad enough to where they have to wear sunglasses that cover most of their face. Maybe that's the stereotype with the aviators, huh? That might be part of it. I, for some <laughs> reason, I've always been told that I look good in sunglasses and hats. I yeah. like sunglasses. I hate wearing hats, though. Well, if your wife and kids say it, I don't know if that counts a whole lot, you know? My wife and kids just shit on me. They wouldn't say something positive <laughs> about that. Okay, if your mom says it, then I don't know if that's going to count for too much either. My mom is the most critical person in my life other than me. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Meeting <laughs> your mom a few times, I, I think uh, that's a salient point you make, and now I know where you get some of that stuff from. It's like, hey, mom, here's a really good piece of news. Like, I'm so excited about this. This is the first good news that's happened to me in about a year since I got fired from the radio station. Oh, what you're gonna shit all over this thing right now by starting to have me question everything, and and uh, now I'm questioning my family life and mm. uh, just living in Texas. Thanks, really appreciate that one. Love you. Very, very supportive. Yeah, aviators. Oh, is that ah Top Gun? You know, you play volleyball. You like touching other dudes. You just said you're a big Deshaun Watson fan a few minutes ago. So just because hold on, just I'll check it out. Sometimes do touch other dudes. And I like getting out there and chasing balls around. Like, that's my favorite form of exercise. You don't need to read too much into that, okay? Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Is your father also gay? Is my father happy? I don't think he's very happy right now, no. <laughs> I don't know if that's what George was talking about mm. in Seinfeld there. Oh, man, the aviators. The Rangers are... Big favorites in this World Series. Minus 175. Hmm. That is nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, and I'm sure there's a way I could find this out. I didn't do the research, but I'm sure there were look-ahead lines to what a Rangers-Phillies World Series would have been in terms of Vegas odds. I bet it would have been very close. Maybe the Phillies would have been the slight favorite. Maybe the Rangers would have been the slight favorite. I don't know. Uh, but the line would have been a lot closer than this. But, yeah, the Rangers minus 175, and Trey – I mean, look, the D-bags are good. You don't make it to the World Series unless you're good. And they beat the NL Central champs. They beat the NL West champs. They swept both of those teams. And they beat the defending National League champs to get here. So they earned their spot, and they've looked very impressive. Their pitching, their defense has been great, and their offense is doing enough to find ways to win games. So I'm not saying sleep on Arizona. I'm not saying you should crown the Rangers champions already. If you're a Rangers fan, uh, you know better than just that. 
But I am saying that you couldn't have asked for anything more than this if you're the Rangers, right? I mean, you get the worst team record-wise in the playoffs as your World Series opponent, and you've got home field. This is as golden of an opportunity as any team would ever have to win a championship. Seems like a pretty good opportunity, BK, but I'm not taking anything for granted over the next uh, week and a half now because we've seen what is expected flipped on its head throughout this month. It happens in both championship series that saw each of these teams get there when everybody was doubting they could do so. People had more doubts in the D-bags than they did the Rangers too, by the way, especially after Philly went up so decisively two games to nothing like they did. And the Rangers, once they lost game five like they did, it was such a gut punch. It's like, how is a team like this going to battle back? But I think one of the most compelling storylines of this World Series isn't about an individual pitcher or position player. It's just the amount of resilience that both of these teams have showed. And that's why I feel like when it's all said and done, we see this series go at least six, if not seven games. Yeah, the D-bags did take three or four from the Rangers during their regular season. Now, it's been a while since these two teams have played, but uh, I think that is at least worth mentioning. And uh, I'm with you, man. You can't take anything for granted if you are the Rangers, but what a uh, what a situation for them. And like you said, I mean, I had buried the D-bags like 30 different times in this series against Philadelphia. I think everybody did once the Phillies won the first two games. And those games weren't even close. right? It's not like Philly had a couple of walk-off wins and it's like, ah, well, Arizona goes back home to their place. Then maybe maybe the luck will turn. And then game three happens. And Arizona had like six chances to score runs in that game and they couldn't do it. And they just kept letting Philly hang around. And finally, Arizona gets the walk-off in the bottom of the ninth. But I'm still thinking, all right, hey, that's cute. Congrats on your one win here, Snakes. You're done. Then Arizona ties it up at two. Then Philly wins game five. And it's like, ah, that's it. Like, Arizona really needed game five. They're not going to win two. I don't even know if they're going to win one in Philadelphia. But there's no way they're going to win two at the bank to win this series. And sure enough, they did. And the pitching, my God, the bullpen especially was awesome yesterday for the D-bags. But, yeah, for them, I mean, I don't think anybody gave them a chance after game five except for those guys in that locker room. And credit to them, man. They found a way to get it done against all odds. I was very wrong on that series. I thought for sure the Phillies would represent the NL, but uh, the Snakes, Snakes alive. That's what their fans have been saying. The Snakes are very much alive. And, shoot, they keep defying odds and expectations, and here they are. Yeah, and and, uh, when you look at the Rangers and the the D-bags and just consider which – team is better built to come back in a series like that like I think you could see it out of the Rangers a little bit more than the D-backs just because Texas has such a good offense for Arizona to have done it their way it's like the closest thing that we have to small ball in 2023 in Major League Baseball Uh, they've got a couple of decent starting pitchers and they're better bullpen wise than the Rangers are too you just give them a ton of credit more than anything else for just shutting that Philly lineup down that looked like an absolute buzzsaw just two games into the NLCS like both you you and I talked about it after that series reached 2-0 it's like I don't know if the Rangers or Astros who's going to win this current ALCS whichever team does it feels like they are about to run into an absolute juggernaut right now but here we are a week later and baseball which is a sport that's notorious notorious for this what you think you know 
A week later, you know absolutely nothing because that's how quickly things change with this sport. In the words of Ron Washington, that's the way baseball go. <sighs> I, think that, I think that was the exact quote from, from Wash a few years ago. Thought you were going to say, I can't feel my face. <laughs> I'm sure he said that a time or two, huh? Uh, haven't we all? Haven't we all? I've got this incredible idea. No, you don't. <laughs> not Slow down. I can't hear you. You're talking too fast, Wash. It's not that good of an idea. Trust me. You'll wake up tomorrow and realize that it's not that great of an idea. It's 4 a.m. on a Tuesday. There's no way the idea is that good, Wash. Does all your right? jaw hurt yet? I mean, it's it's really grinding right now. <laughs> Uh, get you a brain like wearing sunglasses indoors, making, uh, making coke ad jokes. Yeah. How much blow have you done today, dude? Why are you wearing those? <laughs> God. Game one Friday night. I'll reach out to our buddy, Jared Sandler. See if we can get him on uh, the show to uh, preview the world series, but man, what a, what an opportunity for the Rangers and see if they can get this one done. Game one, of course, Friday night in Arlington. Trey, let's talk some Texas Longhorn football. But before we do that, how about hey, real, a real quick, real quick, one more thing on this uh, this Ranger series? Sure. Got to uh, thank my buddy Kevin from Whitestone Brewery for passing this info along. Sorry, I'm gonna have to take the sunglasses off to read this. So, can you see? Can you see that picture right there? Uh, Four thousand eight hundred forty-five dollars each are those tickets? Each for tickets, and this is this is at. Uh, the Gilf. So down the third, yeah, down the third base line. Good seats, really good seats. Like couple rows off the field. Yeah, more than forty five hundred dollars per ticket for. Hmm. So it's section three, row seven. I'm sorry, yeah, two tickets, forty six, forty five each. Wow. Do you want to go? I got a buddy who texted me that he's selling a ticket for game one for below market. Yes. I don't know what that means. I didn't ask how much that means, but I can ask him. Uh, yeah, I, I actually was considering trying to go to a game. I, I am letting you know right now that if the Rangers have a chance to close this series out, I will be in the building, even if that is in Phoenix, which I don't think is going to happen because I think this will be a longer than five-game series either way. But if I got to get my ass to Arizona with all the olds, we'll be there. At the expense of having you uh, pull the rug out from under me like you did with our prospective trip to Tuscaloosa, can can I go? <laughs> sure. Come on. I, I am serious about this. I will go to that game with you. I don't know if you necessarily need a travel partner, but I will go to that game with you. Hey, the more the merrier, man. I, those- uh, I, I need redemption after 2011. I need redemption. Yeah. I got to see it in person. Hopefully there's a game where the Rangers have a chance to win and they don't, you know, lose or they're down 3-1 or 3-0. And it's like, ah, shit, I guess I'm not going to the World Series this year. But if they've got a shot, I'll I'll be in there and I'll be eating ramen for the next few weeks after. I think we need to gauge each of our temperatures heading into the start of this series on Friday. So how are you feeling about this series right now? I think I got a little bit of a fever, actually. Not feeling too hot. Probably like 99.4 would be my guess. I can go get one of those little little uh, little guys if if you want, whatever they're little called. thermometers? Yeah, thank you. Butt thermometers. Yeah, where you stick it up your anus to get the most accurate internal temperature. Yeah, I don't know what the solar system has to do with this, but no, I've never never used one of those. Is that a thing, or you just do that for fun? 
that's typically what they do for babies. And you just never grew out of it? Um, <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, well, maybe I grew into it. Okay, aviators. Okay, Top Gun. Deshaun Watson. It's called the Ron Washington for a reason. Oh, my God. That's... That can't be true. <laughs> just, that, I can't confirm that it's not true, but I, I just, it can't be. It can't be true. Goodness. Uh, a word from AV Consultations, if if they want to sponsor that. Here's our, here's our buddy, Tom McKay. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better football season is here and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready new flat screens projection video dolby true hd surround all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service so call us at 255-8678 that's 255-8678 or on the web at avconsultations.com yes sir yes sir yes sir shout out to av consultations and shout out to our friends at great blue heron furniture as well they are a custom leather furniture company that's been around since 1991. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. If you're trying to spruce up your living room with a new couch, a recliner, chairs, bar stools, whatever, you got to go to greatblueheronfurniture.com. The best looking, the most comfortable, and the most well-built furniture that you can find anywhere in the world. You can find it just by logging on to Great Blue heronfurniture.com and if you use the promo code hook'em you're going to get 15% off your order it's a longhorn owned company most of the manufacturing is done right here in the great state of texas i'm telling y'all the best furniture in the world is online at greatblueheronfurniture.com trey how you feeling about this texas defense we are three days out from texas and byu as the longhorns will play their first game at dkr since september 30th how are you feeling about the Longhorns defense being able to bounce back after back-to-back subpar performances I guess I feel okay about it because BYU isn't very good offensively but I don't feel good in the long term about things because there are major deficiencies on this defense specifically with the secondary and I guess if you're going to get even more exact than that, these safeties just aren't very good in coverage right now. And I guess getting Jalen Catalan back may potentially help with that, but he's also one of those downhill safeties who's, you know, he's good and he's decent in coverage, but he's better against the run too. So I just, I don't see a solution right here unless uh, these guys learn to communicate better. But if communication is that broken, how easy is something like that to fix in the middle of the season? That's a great question. I mean, I, I have some hope in it getting fixed because we didn't see these problems in the first five games, right? Like if we saw this stuff in all seven games that Texas has played, then it's like, I give up. Like we just, we got to deal with this. We got to find a way to win in spite of this. But uh, I don't know, because we didn't see a lot of that. There were moments Texas gave up too many explosive plays in the first five games, but they clearly looked better and more well-coached and more aligned in the first five games and they have in the last two. So that gives me some faith that they're capable of being better. Right. So yes, I agree with what you're saying, except that if you go back and watch those first five games, 
there were plays to be made in the middle of the field. Sure. That the opposing quarterback, maybe you can say it's because it was the backup, or maybe you can just say because the guy wasn't that good or wasn't good enough to uh, take advantage in the middle of the field. Those opportunities weren't capitalized on by opposing offenses. And there were people, Kevin was one of the first that I heard talk about this. I mentioned it a little bit. I feel like you, you even talked about it a little bit where it's like, there's, there's a little bit of good fortune happening here right now with this Texas defense on top of them playing well. I think one thing that you might be able to do to help out with that problem is not giving the opposing quarterback time to find that open receiver in the middle of the field. And the way you do that is by stop messing around with Anthony Hill in that natural linebacker position and have him almost exclusively coming off the edge. Because you are banged up there right now. Look, Ethan Burke has been a nice player. He's done some good things for you game in and game out. But in terms of those obvious passing downs, Anthony Hill coming off the bed, uh, coming off the edge, coming off the bed too, coming off the edge is it best fits his skill set right now. And I think it also helps your defense more than having him anywhere else on the field. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I think it has more to do with the Texas defense than it does with Anthony Hill. Now, you might be right. Maybe his skill set does make him best serve to be an edge rusher right now, but I just don't think Texas has any impact players on the edge right now. And you said it, Ethan Burke. I think he's been playing banged up, which maybe explains why his production has slipped a little bit in recent weeks, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to play at all against BYU and you're just not getting enough from the other edge rushers right now, man. It's, it's plain and simple. So uh, yeah, if your secondary is going to be bad and banged up, which Texas is, is right now, you need the guys up front to be able to create some pressure. So the back end guys don't have to cover for four five, six seconds on every single play. They've got to find a way to get a more consistent pass rush than they have. Obviously the interior of the D lines doing a great job stuffing the run and BYU can't run. BYU is 130th in the country in yards per carry. They suck at running the football. So I'm not saying you don't have to worry about that at all, but like that's a matchup that strongly favors Texas. So I'm not worried about that. But obviously, you know, Keaton Slovis is good enough, and BYU's got enough talent on the outside to where if Texas' secondary keeps playing the way that it's played the last two games, then they're going to be able to pick up yards and they're going to be able to score some points. You've got to find a way to mitigate that by getting a more consistent pass rush. You might have to blitz more, Trey. Like That's a scary proposition right now because you don't have guys who can cover on the back end. Like Even when you're dropping seven, guys are still getting open. So the thought of taking more dudes out of the secondary is like, oh, God, are we sure we want to do that? But you, you have to find a way to get pressure on these quarterbacks because otherwise this defense isn't good enough in coverage right now and teams are going to pick you apart like Donovan Smith did and like Dylan Gabriel did a couple of weeks prior. What happened to Keaton Slovis? He was a decent thrower of the football at USC, and I know their passing attack is better than the rushing attack, but he sucked this year. Like Even in last weekend's win over Texas Tech, where BYU had that game in hand in the fourth quarter, he put up very pedestrian numbers. That game was a result of BYU forcing three interceptions by Tech's third-string quarterback. Uh, Keaton Slovis has gone from a guy who was starting games as a freshman for USC to an afterthought at BYU. Yeah, he played really well against Kansas. Mm -hmm. Um, He did have a couple of interceptions, and BYU lost that game in Lawrence. But outside of that, I mean, in three of the four 
uh, other Power Five games he's played against, he hasn't been able to crack 170 yards. Wow! Like forget 300, forget 250. Like it, it's just yeah, the BYU's offensive numbers are not good. So if there is such a thing as a get right game for a defense in this conference, it might be this weekend. Now I I think I'd rather play Emory Jones in Cincinnati to be honest with you, just yep. watching that offense. But BYU is the worst total offense in the Big Twelve right now. And they're 11th out of 14 teams in terms of scoring offense right now. So, uh, yes, like you said, they are better throwing the football than they are running it. And they do have some receivers and a tight end who scare me a little bit. I mean, the top four pass catchers for BYU are all 6'3 or bigger. So I'm glad Ryan Watts is coming back because he's big for a corner and he's physical. So I know he can at least neutralize one of those BYU receivers. But I am a little worried about the size on the outside for BYU in the passing game. But still, I mean, the numbers, the eye test, it ain't pretty for BYU offensively right now. So this is one of those things where you feel like Texas should be able to, to right some wrongs. And if they can't, you're going to be nervous as all hell with K state coming to town next Saturday. Is Ryan Watts definitely coming back for this game? Uh, I think so. Like, I I don't know if I'd go definitely, but you know, chip reported on horns 24 seven that he's very likely to come back. And Mm. I think uh, I think Sark basically made reference to it on Monday, saying that Ryan Watts should be good to go. So I, I think, barring a setback, we'll see Watts in action, which is much needed for the secondary. Yeah, you know, as much as people and look, I was guilty of this too. Believe that it might not be that big of a drop off because you'd seen some uh, really nice things out of the true freshman Muhammad. Clearly, his presence or lack thereof has been felt over these last couple of games. Yeah, a couple of texts on the Coda text line, 512-222-9328. Guys, honest question. Do we think Blake Gideon is a good coach? Any thoughts? I think that the combination of Blake Gideon as the safeties coach and Terry Joseph as the defensive pass game coordinator has not worked through three years. And so something needs to change here. I feel like when those two guys came in, Gideon was the cornerbacks coach and Joseph was a safeties coach, but maybe something changed one of the last two off seasons, but it's uh it's been a failed experiment so far. And I'd be more inclined to look at Terry Joseph and what he has or hasn't brought to the table as a coach and make a change there before swapping out Blake Gideon. But if you uh, find replacements for both of those guys this off season, I don't think Texas fans would, uh, f- would find fault in that. Yeah, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Um, I mean, the secondary has regressed, and a lot of that falls on coaching. And it's it's disappointing to see, you know, Jaron Thompson look as good as he looked last year, and then just like what what the hell was that on Saturday? Uh, Keaton Crawford hasn't gotten much better. Um, Michael Taff, I can't I can't be too hard on the coaches for you know preferred walk on not being great, but why is that guy playing as much as he is? Like a lot of the secondary rotation falls on the position coaches. So yeah, there there are plenty of things to be critical about. Uh, I'm not I'm not quite ready to make some changes, but hey, over these last five games, if the Texas secondary looks like it has in the last two games, then yeah, uh, some changes might be necessary. Did Anthony Cook help to hide some of Jaron Thompson's deficiencies last year? Like I am, I said this yesterday, and I will continue saying this until he proves me wrong. Jaron Thompson is far and away the most disappointing player on the roster right now in terms of what you expected this year versus what he's actually given you. Yeah, I I don't know if I disagree with that. 
Um, and and I, I didn't think he was that bad until like the dropped interception against Oklahoma in the end zone. I feel like for him, and, and I haven't gone back to watch the first five games, but I, I don't remember being super critical of Jaron Thompson at all. Well, like, remember, he got, burned, he got burned against Alabama, and then yeah, he came he did. back that very next play with the pick six. Yeah, he had a couple of interceptions early. He wasn't perfect. Like, no one in the secondary has been perfect, but like I, I don't remember it being a repeat problem. But the last game and a half, like, yeah, it, it's it's been a disaster. So... Man, I don't know. Pick six. It was an interception that he returned deep into Alabama territory. Yeah, I think Texas scored on the next play, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I think it was touchdown, pick, and then touchdown, basically, yeah. for Texas. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's been disappointing. He has been disappointing for sure. And I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know if it was Anthony Cook or just other guys in that Texas secondary, Deshaun Jameson, whatever, uh, who masked something, or if it's coaching, or if Jaron Thompson is playing hurt. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but it's it's disappointing, man. I mean, they got roasted like marshmallows last Saturday against Houston, and basically everybody took their turns getting burned in that game against the Cougs. So good news is Donovan Smith is not playing Texas, hopefully ever again. God, if that guy transfers to the SEC, I might want to play in the Big 12 for another year. I, just, I don't I don't want to see that dude ever again. But, uh, yeah, secondary, it, it's got to get fixed. And let's hear one from Sark. Um, crossing routes. God dang it. Those crossers, man, they just killed Texas on Saturday. Somebody asked Sark about the crossing routes and what went wrong against Houston and how they can maybe fix that to make sure that we don't see that ever again. The crossing routes, you know, I think in twofold hurt us. Anytime you call crossers and you're in man coverage, it's difficult when they're picking the guy that's that's guarding the man that's catching the ball. Um, and to their credit, they did a heck of a job picking us. You know, they didn't get called for it, so you can't complain that that it, that that's what was happening. Um, but it's it's pretty obvious that if, you know when picks occur, and we got picked a couple times, and it created that created a problem. We had one where it was poor communication. Um, we didn't cover it properly, and one we were in zone. And when you're in zone, that's when you really got to be able to shut those crossers down and match those routes. So I think there was th- levels to it. Um, but but inevitably we're going to have to play it better because we're going to see a ton of crossers this week. That's one of the staples of of what BYU does. So we're going to have to play it better. Oh no, one of the staples of the BYU offense. Don't tell me that, Sark. And that is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and look, there were some pick plays for sure, but you know we're not expecting Texas to get too many calls this year. Well, and come on, rub routes are a part of football. Like yeah. and you do that by the way. Yeah. Texas does a version of that too. Everybody does a version of that. So I'm, I'm not going to hammer him too hard. That sounded like a little bit of excuse making there though. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It is. And like okay, he's right. Man coverage, like that's why teams run crossers and they run slants. Those are man beaters. So you want to call those plays against man coverage cuz in one-on-ones those routes have a lot of success because you, yeah, you can rub and it confuses the defense and guys get lost and guys run into each other. Those plays should work against man coverage. The issue was when you call zone and it's not like PK was calling man coverage on every single play. Like it's not like he was just being super stubborn with his calls and he's like, no, this is going to work. He switched it up. But the problem was when Texas did play zone, they, they couldn't do that right at all. Like you call a zone defense in hopes to try to prevent crossing routes from being successful. 
and the Houston receivers all give them credit. They were finding soft spots in the zone, but there were just too many soft spots for Texas in those zone defenses. And guys would just like lose where they were supposed to be. They would be watching the football instead of watching receivers. And, and there were too many holes in the back end for this defense. So like, that's, that's the biggest concern for me is like, okay, no other teams struggle when playing man coverage against routes like that. But when you're calling zone defenses, when you're calling plays designed to specifically be able to stop stuff like that from happening, and you still can't stop stuff like that from happening, then you're kind of out of answers as a defensive coordinator because there's nothing you can call that's going to work. Well, and you can do things within the man concepts to either force them to try and throw outside or making those crossing routes that much more difficult. So it just yeah. didn't seem like they were really trying anything. It's like they were resigned to letting Houston beat them over and over again over the middle of the field. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. It was it was ugly to watch, and it is a uh, it is a scary thought hearing Steve Sarkeesian talk about how that's what the BYU likes to do. Because uh, you know they're going to try it. Like, why would they not? They, they're watching the Houston film, and they saw what we saw in regards to Texas's inability to stop any of those crossing routes. So that's going to be a huge part of BYU's offense. And, hell, Houston couldn't run the ball. Like, they were worse running statistically going into the – or, excuse me, they were better statistically running the football than BYU is, and they were still able to move the ball successfully, even being pretty one-dimensional on offense. Uh, that might be BYU's game plan. They're just not going to run the ball a bunch and just hope it works. Now, if uh, if they struggle to run the football and the Texas defense can win that battle, they're going to be throwing it a lot. They're going to be trying to do exactly what Houston was able to do against this Longhorn defense last weekend. So linebackers have to be better in coverage. The safeties have to be better everywhere. Hopefully getting Ryan Watts will, will help the corners. But, man, I mean, Gavin Holmes might not play. Terrence Brooks might not play, which I don't know how much of a loss that is after Wait, the way what? he played last Saturday. Did that hurt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, and then Jalen Catalan at safety. We're, we're still not sure what his deal is. And you know, Jade Barron. Yeah, you know, Jade Barron, like he played the second half last Saturday, but clearly he's dealing with an injury because the game plan was for him not to play at all against the yeah. Kooks. So you're banged up back there, and uh even your starters are struggling right now. So it's it's a little scary thinking about these last five games, wondering what uh this defense could look like. That's very concerning. I look. I know that Terrence Brooks didn't have a great game against Houston, but he is uh, he is a guy that you want out there because I th think he has shown some growth this year. And um, I mean, when the other options are guys like Austin Jordan, then I think you want Terrence Brooks to hopefully continue to grow game to game. And uh, this is the sort of game that I think he can excel in because, as you mentioned, BK, it's a bunch of bigger receivers guys who aren't necessarily most fleet of foot. I think that's the sort of matchup that fits Terrence Brooks really well right now. I hope you're right. I hope you are right. We'll talk more Texas and BYU throughout the week right here on Trey and BK. And, of course, Chip and Zay will be all over at the Fire the Cannon, ladies. Yes, it is Wednesday, so Megan and Rocky will be here from 3 to 5. They'll be talking plenty of Longhorn football as well right here on Texas Sports on filtered shout out to our friends at covert b cave we'll be back out there this friday trey and i will be broadcasting live from the covert b cave studios we'll have another longhorn luncheon on friday from 12 to 1 norman watkins will be there with us hanging out if you want to uh, take some pictures sign some autographs well you won't be signing the autographs he'll be signing the autographs i guess if you want to sign autographs too you can i don't know if anyone's gonna take them from you 
But uh, come by, hang out with us, get you a free lunch this Friday at Covert Bee Cave. A reminder, next Friday, legendary lifetime Longhorn Ricky Williams will be our guest out there at Covert Bee Cave. That's the day before the Kansas State game, so definitely mark your calendars for that. In the meantime, if you're looking for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, go see our friends at Covert Bee Cave. Three state-of-the-art dealerships, seven different brands. They've got great deals all year round, great service, and, of course, the best prices because nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. They've been around since 1909. They've got dealerships all over Central Texas. But, man, if you haven't been out to Covert Bee Cave, you are missing out. They have so much to choose from. And the people there are fantastic. So we love having them on board, and we're excited to be back out there this weekend. I keep seeing that commercial with Dan Covert and his wife, and it is all about the Covert Bee Cave location. Every time I see it, they you know, they go through all the different spots within that campus. And when they get to the uh, building that we're in, it just gets me excited because that is such a cool place. Great people out there, too. Highly, highly recommend you should check out Covert Bee Cave if you're looking for a new automobile or maybe you just want to come say hey to us on Friday. Amen. Well said. And a shout out to our friends at the Altstadt Brewery as well. If you're looking for a great beer to drink, uh, it is the best time of the sports year, which means you need the best beer to drink to accompany your sports watching. That should be Altstadt beer. My fridge is stocked with it. Yours should be too. The Altstadt Oktoberfest is back but they've got all the classics too, the lager, the Kolsch, the light, the Hefeweizen, so many choices, something for every beer drinker out there. This stuff is fantastic. It's the most authentic German beer drinking experience you are going to find anywhere in the state of Texas. So get you a six-pack of Oldstadt beer, no impurities, no regrets. Trey, I guess we uh, should talk about Michigan at some point, yeah? Yeah. We've not spent a ton of time or really any time on this show talking about Michigan, but more and more continues to be revealed about the situation going on involving Michigan and more specifically Michigan staffer Connor Stallions. The latest report from Pete Thamel, this came out last night, is that Connor Stallions bought tickets to four different games of four different college football playoff contenders. guess he didn't buy any TCU tickets. Nice job there, Connor. Idiot. Uh, there's record of purchases of SEC title game tickets in 2021 and 2022. Of course, Michigan made the college football playoff in each of those two years, and there were SEC teams in the college football playoff in each of those two years. And 12 of the 13 other Big Ten schools have record of Connor Stallions buying tickets at some point over the last couple of years, which leads me to ask, who's the 13th? Who did Michigan not need to spy on to get a competitive advantage? I think that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Mm, I think there's a favorite in Vegas, but I could see a couple of schools being in the mix here. All right, well, let's see if we have the same favorite. On the count of three. One, two, three. Ohio State. Rutgers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one. Good one. <laughs> no, Ru- Rutgers is, is the uh, the most obvious answer. Yeah, Rutgers, it is. Um, I don't know, man. Watching Iowa offense, like, do you you really need to film that shit? 
<laughs> I mean, that is worse off scouting it versus just waiting for the shit show that is the Iowa offense. Like it, it, you're scouting Iowa. You're filming them to learn what not to do. You're not filming them in an effort to gain a competitive advantage. Like, oh, here's what they're going to try to do. And we've got to stop this. You're filming them to be like, okay, we can never call these plays. You're filming them for reasons why people watch really bad movies to laugh at the stupidity of it all. Yeah, that's that's what's going on there. So, um, yeah, Rutgers is probably the right answer. I don't know, Purdue, yeah, Illinois. Mom until last year, so maybe maybe I don't know. Illinois. No offense to Hudson Card, by the way. You know, Brett Bielma. Do you need to? Scout that fat ass. Like, just no. go to a Denny's and you'll find him there. You can, I'm sure, find his plays. I don't know, but I like what's going to happen here. I don't think anything happens to Michigan this year. Uh, but I do wonder if they win the title. And I think they're the best team in the country right now. Yeah. If they win the title, are they going to lose it in like a year? Like, is, is everything that's happening right now at Michigan going to be vacated within the next five years? Maybe. But Michigan stands. Michigan fans will still get to hold on to the memories of watching them win a, a Big Ten championship or two, depending on what they do this year. I think the bottom line, though, BK, more than anything else, and I'm certainly not alone in sharing this sentiment, is that we see Jim Harbaugh move back to the NFL after this season. Yeah, I mean, if he catches wind that there's going to be a big punishment for him, then yes. And he already dealt with a punishment right earlier this season. That was self-imposed, but... Come on. I mean, Michigan did it because the NCAA was lurking and there were recruiting violations and this and that. So Harbaugh's already been in the crosshairs of the NC2A. And now you've got this on top of it. Like he's a repeat offender, plus breaking the rules like he was. And he can say all he wants that he didn't know this was going on. Number one, that's BS. And number two, even if he actually didn't, then you're still held responsible because you're the head coach of the program and the guys on your staff. So that's just how it's always going to work. But yeah, I mean, if he catches wind that there's a, a suspension coming, then I'm with you. I think he's going to bolt for the NFL, pull a Pete Carroll. That's, you know, USC had those sanctions with Reggie Bush. They got punished. Pete Carroll was going to get punished. And he's like, how oh, the hell with this? I'm going to the Seahawks. So that's, uh, that's probably what Harbaugh does if that happens. And I guess that's good news if you're a Texas fan, because Texas plays at Michigan next year. And if Jim Harbaugh is not there, look, Michigan will still be good, but maybe this is something that affects the program in a negative way if something does come down. So maybe that makes that a more winnable game for the Longhorns next September. Who knows? Where's, where's McCarthy at in terms of his eligibility? Does he have one more year in Ann Arbor? Yeah, but he could he could go out if he wants. Okay. This is his third year. So I've seen some mocks that have him going in the first round. Hmm. Um, or will right. be gone. Yeah, Coram will be gone. They lose a lot from that defense. Uh, they'll get Donovan Edwards, their other really good running back back. I think that dude's only a sophomore. Um, they'll, they'll still be good. Like, even if Harbaugh leaves, unless they get, like, a ridiculous penalty and a bunch of guys just hit the portal or they have recruiting sanctions to where they can't give out as many scholarships, like, they're still going to be really good next year. But, obviously, if Harbaugh's not there and um, – there's that kind of black cloud over the program that might be more of a winnable game for Texas, but that's shit. Long way away. Long, long way away. We've got about 10 minutes left in the award-winning midday with Trey and BK, which means it's time for a little where we add in society. Trey, do you want to go live spot? Do you want to go recorded spot for our friends at Pest Wranglers? Let's go record it today, BK.
Here we go. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at Pest Wranglers. Where are we at in society today? That's right. Press Wranglers is the sponsor of your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, we will bring you stories that provide a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. And if you missed the start of today's show, I am wearing sunglasses. No, not just because I'm a douchebag, although I am one of those as well. It's because I have raccoon eyes out of nowhere. And it annoys me to look at on my screen, so I'm just going to throw the sunglasses on and not worry about it. BK, we start today's Where Are We At? We have time for a couple of stories today, depending on how quickly we get through this first one. In California... Now, I know that just generally speaking, I, you wouldn't classify yourself as a brunch guy, but do you go to brunch a fair amount considering how popular you are and how filled up your social dance card is? I appreciate that. No, I don't go to brunch that often. I mean, once every other month, maybe. It's all relative. That's a lot compared to me. But oh, I might be rounding up on that deal. No, nah, like that's that's too early, man. I don't like to be doing stuff it's before point. before noon on a Saturday or a Sunday, and then I want to be just watching football once I start doing stuff. So, not a huge brunch guy, especially at this time of the year. And we do need to delineate, by the way, if you're going to call it brunch, I don't care if you're going on a Sunday or whatever the day of the week is. You need to be starting that meal in terms of eating the food before eleven o'clock. Because after 11, it's no longer between breakfast and lunch. It is early lunch. What's the brunch window then? Like 10 to 11? 9 to 11? We'll go 9.30 to 11. Okay. I, I was going to go 10 to 12 as the brunch window. But it's fair if you call lunch at 11.30 lunch. Hell, I just did. It's fair if you call a meal at 11.30 lunch. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it until noon, but there are people doing like 1 and 2 p.m. and calling it brunches. Like, nah, you just want mimosas, you alcoholic. Okay, so yes, I'm glad you mentioned the mimosas or maybe a Bloody Mary. Michelada, also a good brunch drink, according to those who actually get invited to brunches, which I never do. So as somebody who goes to brunch once every other month or so, have you ever seen anybody at brunch drink so much in that hour and a half to two hours, that they are puking all over the place. Yeah. You have? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, then I guess I'm going to have to rescind my opinion on this next story. In California, we have restaurants who are starting to promise a vomit fee for guests at brunch who drink too much. It started with one restaurant who posted a warning and said, we dealt with this far too often. We have to clean up your puke because you can't hold your booze. Guess what? You're getting charged an extra 50 bucks on top of your bill. And what started with one restaurant has now taken San Francisco by storm with a number of places 
threatening a vomit fee for those Sunday fun day participants who have a hard time holding their booze. So Mm -hmm. you're saying this is legit then. This is something that that people are actually throwing up leading to a need to threaten the $50 fine. Yeah, I've actually seen it happen. Um, Not all the time. Pathetic. Yeah, I feel like most people are able to make it to the bathroom or like they can make it home because they realize that they're a little too drunk and something bad might happen. But no, I've, I've seen it happen or yeah, someone is just going after it a little too hard, a little too early and boom, they're done right there at the table. If you're puking at brunch, you suck. I saw someone puke at like five o'clock from being too drunk at a spot a couple of weeks ago. Five o'clock is a little bit more excusable. What day of the week was it? a weekday like wednesday oh man <laughs> yeah Whoa. i literally i won't put the the spot on blast I, I love the place and it's not their fault i don't think they overserve the guy and it's it's a bar like cc's pizza no no they don't serve alcohol there but uh i have been drunk at a cc's pizza before sure uh, that's how most people go to cc's pizza yeah you probably need it you need some sort of performance enhancers in that place more often than not but yeah now this guy just I just started smelling really bad. And when my buddy and I look over and the whole ground is just covered in yak. It's like, Ugh. God, the guy had bolted before anyone I think saw who did it, but bad bit right there. So yeah, people can't control themselves, uh, themselves, man. People throw up at restaurants and bars way more than you would think. And I, I do wonder with San Francisco though, if this like, was this just a homeless guy who had done too many drugs? He just went in there and puked. See, that's where the lines blur a little bit in a place like Seattle or San Francisco. Like, is this just a hobo who came in to use your establishment to vomit all over the place and then go back out on the, the clean streets of the city? Yeah, the clean streets. Good one. Uh, yeah, you're not being able to get 50 bucks out of that guy. I can tell you that. You can try to charge the hobo all you want, but he ain't paying that bill. Well, you'll get 50 bucks if you go to the city and act like you're a hobo. Then they'll give you 50 bucks for it, but probably not just for the vomit fee. That's true. Yeah, like you should be able to make it to the bathroom, right? Someone on the code of text line says, who doesn't throw up in the restroom? Like that, it's it's embarrassing enough to throw up in the bathroom at a bar or a restaurant, right? Because that means you effed up. But like at least make it there, right? Toilet, sink. Even, you know, bathroom floor is better than just at the table. Although, you know, if you make it into the bathroom, how the hell can you not make it three more steps to the trash can or to the toilet? But yeah, no, it's it's crazy, man. People just, especially brunch, like they use that as an excuse to get real messed up. And some of them don't know their limits and it gets ugly and messy. So it's cheaper than an Uber. Right. If you throw up in an Uber, I think it's what a hundred bucks. Like they, they charge Ooh. you a ton, which, you know, that, that makes sense. Like, it's much more egregious. Cause you're talking about carpeted floors and the upholstery of the seats too. Yeah. That, that is less excusable than throwing up in the restaurant, throwing up in a, in some random car that you've hired to help get you home. Yeah. Small space too. And then once someone throws up in your car, like you can't work for the rest of the night. Like that's that's the killer. Like a restaurant could stay open, they can clean it up, and that's fine. But if someone throws into like a a car, then yeah. you can't be driving other people around with that smell. So you're you're basically done. So fifty bucks, uh, all things considered, not not too terrible, and that feels like a worthy punishment for being that stupid.
Yeah, by the way, I did see somebody throw up at the State Fair a couple weeks ago going into the game. Like, we were walking into the game, and this person was just pulled over in the grass, just vomiting all over the place. Oh, It's a rookie move, but in that situation, it's also understandable because it turns into a bit of a competition, especially for those who haven't been to that game before to see just how much you can drink before you make it into the stadium and are going to have a harder time getting booze throughout the game. Where was I? There was some sporting event I was at recently where, yeah, it was like literally five minutes into the game, some guy's buddies were just basically carrying him out of the stadium. Oh, it's like, dude, that's that's the worst. When you get too blitzed during the tailgate or the pregame to actually enjoy the game, like, come on, man, you gotta you gotta do better than that. If that's if you're a freshman in college, then okay, you can make that mistake. But we're talking about. 30s and 40s doing shit like that it's like come on man get it together get it together before the game starts or in the first quarter it's a marathon not a sprint what are we doing come to bk school of alcoholism i'll teach you how to do this it is a rookie move by the way Naaman says trey i'll throw up if malik machine murphy balls out this year and sark moves on to arch malik and aggie can we not get the cart in front of the horse with Malik Murphy, please? And Arch Manning for that matter. Yeah. I, 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 there are so many ways that these next couple of weeks could shake out. Right. Yeah. I mean, really like the, there's two total opposite ends of the spectrum. And then there's obviously a, a big gray area in between two, but it's, you know, one end. I think I mentioned this yesterday. Malik plays so damn well that Texas fans don't even want Quinn to get the job back. And if he plays well enough to where Sark is considering not giving Quinn the job back, then that would be something. Like, that's the most extreme extreme. But obviously, the other example is Texas is down 14 nothing at halftime on Saturday, and then you go to Arch Manning. So, I, there's who knows? Who knows, man? I, I hope we don't see Arch. No disrespect to Arch, but that just means Malik stays healthy and is playing really, really well. That's what I want to happen. Uh, but obviously the future of the quarterback position beyond this year. Hell, I don't know if Quinn's even going to leave now. I would think he still leaves and goes to the NFL, but you know, it's not maybe as certain if he has to miss like three or four games. That could cause his draft stock to slip a little bit. Maybe he's like, well, if I come back and have another good year, then I could be a top 10 pick in the draft next season. Like, I, I, I don't know. There are all sorts of scenarios that are now in play because of uh, the freaking air conditioning joint in Quinn's right shoulder. Yeah, I'll be curious to see, assuming that he does get the grade, what his draft grade will be after the season is over with. And something else to consider about this weekend's game that may add to the difficulty of things is that there's rain in the forecast for the rest of the week. The weather guessers are predicting rain till Saturday by game time, at least according to my weather guessing app. It should be dry by then, but it'll still be slick field conditions. So that just adds to the level of difficulty. Uh, wet balls, man. I know you're all you're all about you're all about gripping those wet balls, aren't you? Well, look, it just depends on on how wet we're talking. If we're talking moist balls, then that's a little bit better than soaking wet balls. Okay, we're leaving on that note. That I always feel bad making Chip and Zay follow up what we've got going on, but that's that's not great. How do you guys like your balls, moist or wet? You know. Just like them the way they are, you know? 
Does that mean candy? Sandy balls? Yeah, just just ripe, you know? Yeah. Ripe balls, yeah. <laughs> I mean we're gonna get you we're gonna get y'all back at some point. <laughs> just count on it. Oh, hey, yo, Chip, throw him the Malik Murphy coming out the shower thing. Yeah, have y'all talked about how Malik Murphy comes out of the shower mid-shower to control the auxiliary, to control the music in the locker room? Oh. Yeah, wow. where where have y'all been? I've heard you talk about this this week, but no, we have not talked about Malik Murphy in a potential third leg situation. Okay, so David Benda is – you know, tough guy, linebacker, defense, head knocker. He messed with the music, and Malik came out of the shower mid-shower and said, don't ever mess with the music again. Mm. And I was like, mm. so Malik just, like, shot you down like that. He's like, he's a big dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Interesting. We'll I, think the, I think the real question with this story, Chip, is how did he change the radio back? Like, what did he use to change the radio back? Radio? <laughs> You're listening to music on a boombox in the, in the showers, right? God. <laughs> no boomboxes. Times have changed. Times uh, have changed. How, what did he touch on the phone to get it back to his song then? We're going modern parlay. Well, I'm sure he used his finger to touch his phone to change the music back. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> See, right. that, Chip thinks that's a badass story. I think it's a little suspect if you ask me. Like, I like, agree. You are the fucking backup quarterback. Get back in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> that's he's he's got a big presence. Okay, oh, he's a big hmm. dude. that's all. That's a little bit of a bully story there, though. I'm not sure how he, crazy I am about that one. He's. He's not messing around. Yeah. That's awesome. Now we got to see him control the auxiliary on the field. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. We know, we know what you mean. We know it's showtime. It's showtime. And it's showtime for y'all too. So we'll let y'all get to it. Yeah. Have a Let's good go. Show. BK, see ya. Top Gun, see ya. <laughs>